This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show here on AM 950, KOEL and KOEL.com from 9 to 10. My name is Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media. We got great stuff ahead on today's show. David Eichold from 24-7 Sports and HawkeyeInsider.com. He joins us to talk about the craziness that is going on in Iowa City with their football program right now. Of course, Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce, and now Gavin Williams have entered the portal. Who knows at this time, at the time that this show show is going to air on Saturday morning, if another player has entered the portal by now. And then, of course, Cade McNamara deciding to commit to play for the Hawkeyes. We did record on Thursday, so it's a little bit behind The show is still relevant. We do talk about the possibility of other guys entering the portal, the implications of what if Cade McNamara decided to commit, which he did. So so it's all still relevant. And then Alyssa Hurdle from the Des Moines Register. She's their Drake men's basketball beat writer. She joins to tell us about the Bulldog season thus far. And then we talk about the MVC too. But first... But like I said, and I'll remind you of it before the segment, we are a little bit behind on Eichel. So I, I, I just can't... I can't not talk about that that Iowa stuff a little bit more and, and share some of my own opinions because obviously I didn't know that McNamara was going to commit. Arlen Bruce and Gavin Williams would be entering the portal too. And who knows what else is going to happen in the next coming weeks, maybe even months, maybe even days, hours with the Iowa football program. But, but we got to talk about the state of affairs in Iowa City right now. I mean... Like, we've seen this happen before. We've seen guys transfer out of Iowa, but not at this rate and not guys that were that important right after the season, not even waiting till after the bowl game to enter the portal. Of course, Charlie Jones, Tyrone Tracy, and Desmond Hudson entered the portal last season, but three guys within a 24-hour period, and Padilla and Josh Volk, I'm sure there's more to come. This is insanity. This is madness. Whoever plays quarterback between Joey Labus and Spencer Petras in that bowl game isn't going to have anybody to throw to other than Luke Lachey and hopefully Sam Laporta is healthy, of course. But, ah, wow. Like, (laughs) I mean, who knows? Maybe Deontay Vines isn't going to be around either. With all that said, we've been over this. If Kirk Ferentz does not fire his son or Brian Ferentz doesn't step down at the end of this season somebody's going to burn Kinnick to the ground, burn Iowa City to the ground, burn the state of Iowa to the ground, and I'd be cheering them on while they did it. Not that I'm a Hawkeye fan, but good Lord, it is so tough to watch the Iowa offense, and it has been to have the Iowa offense not rank any better than 88th in the country in the entirety of his career. It's it's time, man. It's It's been more than time. And, I mean... You you get this legit quarterback to commit in Cade McNamara, 
And then Arlen Bruce and Gavin Williams still decide that they don't want to play there. Keegan Johnson more than likely already knew that McNamara was going to be there, and he's still gone. There's no way around it. There's no way to even fathom consider bringing Brian Ferentz back, even if they score 60 points against whoever it is they face in a bowl game. If Joey Labus throws for 500 yards and six touchdowns, you still get rid of Brian Ferentz. There is no, it's, it's inexcusable to bring that guy back. On top of what everything else that's already happened, these guys are leaving in droves. There's talent out the wazoo that's just leaving, getting out of Dodge, and I don't blame them. You got to get rid of Brian Ferentz. Again, we'll talk more about that with David, David Eichholt uh, at that second segment here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. On AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com coming up that second segment. Now, one thing I do want to talk about briefly because I want to get to this with uh, Nick Osen at some point in time. Tom Manning was fired from Iowa State as well as Dave Andrews. uh, I believe that was Friday. uh, Today, Friday, as I'm recording this. And honestly, I mean, truth be told, I think that's how it's going to end in, in Iowa City too is these guys are going to be gone by the end of the season because Kirk is very much we're not going to fire anybody midseason and you just got to do it now but with that I mean it's 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 a class act move by by Matt Campbell the way he addressed it to the media uh, saying it's a tough decision because people's families are involved and you don't want to do that and it's always tough and and I, I I like that from Matt Campbell but he's also no nonsense that's why I, I really have a lot of respect for Matt Campbell. He gets in, he gets the job done, but we're not messing around. We don't have these family ties. We don't we don't have an unnecessary partiality towards guys that would prevent our football program from being successful. There you go. Now, I want to sum it up and, and put it together with this Todd Brommelkamp tweet that I saw. It said, Tom Manning was, college, was a college teammate of Matt Campbell's. He coached under Campbell at Toledo and ISU. Campbell was an usher in Manning's wedding. College football is a business. There is no room for sentimentality. Boom. Bang. Done. No room for uh, nepotism either. And boy, is it flooding the streets of Iowa City. Anyway, uh, with all of that, Nate Shieldhouse is, and I, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it, he'll be the interim OC, which I find interesting. I, and again, we're, we're just hitting this quick because I don't know enough about the situation and I want to get somebody on that, that knows more about Iowa football and the situation going forward and who they're going to hire, et cetera. But for now, Nate Shieldhouse, I believe he was a quarterback at Illinois uh, when I was in middle school, so quite, quite a while ago. But he'll be the interim offensive coordinator. And I don't know exactly what that means because the season's over. Like, do you are you gonna bring this guy in and keep running offensive things that you would have run with Tom Manning? Or are you gonna have him install a different offense and then have a different OC come in and possibly fill in for Nate and have Nate be demoted and maybe go somewhere else? What does interim offensive coordinator at the end of the season mean? Just go hire somebody. That's really the only perplexing thing to me. But anyway, Matt Campbell firing Tom Manning, of course, uh, after that four and eight season and just going one and eight in the Big 12 uh, with the lowest scoring offense in the conference. That's what you do. You move on. You say, that sucks. We're going to miss you, but this is what we got to do. And uh, I, that's the way you handle it. 
as as a head coach. Obviously, I think a lot of people wanted Brian Ferentz to be gone a lot sooner than he was in Iowa City, but I will be utterly and completely shocked if he's back for 2023. I don't know. I mean, the way Iowa has handled it to 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 this point has been surprising at times, shocking at times, incredibly at times, incredibly frustrating. And so, who knows? Who freaking knows what Kirk's gonna do with with his son and what the plan will be? But I don't even. I I just have no idea how you come back from from this type of season and say, hey, yeah, we're gonna give you another shot. And they're your 88th best ranked offense ever in your tenure here. We're gonna we're gonna have you uh, come back. I don't know how that how that would work. But uh, anyway. We got to get some uh, uh, you and I talk here on this morning edition of Cornstalks and Sports Talk, the Saturday morning edition of Cornstalks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Several you and I football players have entered the portal. We've talked about a few of them here uh, on Cornstalks and Sports Talk, but there are one, two, three, four, five, six guys, none that are really you know, groundbreaking necessarily. There are a couple names that I was excited about going into the season that we never really saw. Uh, Miguel Edwards and Peter Udoibach, who we, again, have talked about a little bit here on, on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. Udoibach entered before that last game of the season or maybe even the second to last game uh, against South Dakota State. He's a transfer from Minnesota who was a preferred walk-on there. Got an offer at UNI. He has yet to receive an offer out of the portal. Um, I would imagine that it'll be a lower-tier FCS program that he ends up at because it'll be his third school. Um, he was on the fringe. He was second string in in camp and then was moved down to third string before the season started. And I know that that frustrated him, and he never really could break through that glass ceiling, I guess, and, and he decided to move on. Uh, it's just wide receiver group is incredibly de- deep and, and we'll address that here in a second. And then Miguel Edwards, who we've talked about a little bit, I think, uh, again, from what I was told and what I saw, I believe it was mid game against Missouri State and Edwards was not happy that he was not on the field and playing, not playing anything more than special teams. So he went to the locker room at halftime, undressed, got into the stands and was done. And now he's in the portal and he's going to be at his fifth school. So whatever, whatever you have to say about that, whatever you think about that, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to leave it there and, and let you formulate your own opinions. I don't know what's going on in the, in the kid's personal life or, or anything like that, but, but five schools is a lot. So then there was Reed Snitker, who had been on the uh, team for a little while, just got his first D1 offer, several D2 offers out of the portal so far. Um, uh, D1 offer was Drake, though, and that's the Pioneer League, so not really an offer, not a scholarship offer. But Snitker, he has a barrage of D2 offers right now. He'll probably announce before the semester, I would imagine. Um, and, and I don't have any sources on that or anything. That's that's just uh, a guess. He has two years of eligibility left, and he'll probably end up playing D2 on on scholarship, maybe fringe FCS program. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see on him, but then uh, there are a few other guys that that entered the portal. Again, not not really anybody that had a huge impact on on the field this season, but very well could have in future seasons. They just didn't want to wait. They want to play now, and and fair enough. I, I get that. With the way the transfer portal is set up currently, and probably will be for for the future, it only makes sense for for guys to enter when they don't think they're going to get playing time. 
uh, anytime soon. And so let's see here. The next one that, uh, so we're trying to do these in chronological order. Next one was Matt Morrissey, which again, I totally understand. He's a quarterback that has, I believe, two years of eligibility left coming from community college. Um, and he got an endorsement on Twitter from, from coach reader, which, which is good, uh, good for him. And, and coach reader really supportive clearly of, of him looking for other opportunities. And, um, yeah, he, he does have two years of eligibility left. As I see here, like I've said on this show before, Morrissey can sling it, man, dude can sling it. And he clearly sees that. And I, I, to me in previous iterations of UNI offenses, before the Theo Day and Bodie Reader era, I, I could see Morrissey being a starter for this UNI football team. Kid can sling it. Uh, we never really got to see him in game action at the D1 level, so do with that what you will. But again, I, I think it, it, it makes a lot of sense for him because he's not going to surpass Theo Day. He's just not. Uh, nah, it'd take a lot for anybody to surpass what Theo Day did this last season because that was probably the greatest season we've seen from from a UNI quarterback at, at this level. Um, so Morrissey in the portal as well. I haven't seen any offers for any of these guys other than Snitker, so we'll see what happens. Miguel Edwards may have had some offers by now. He's not really one to announce on Twitter, not super active there. So we'll we'll see what happens uh, for for him. Uh, Morrissey will probably announce. Udoibach will probably announce. And then these two other guys will probably announce too. Terrence Kamara, wide receiver, who I know a lot of people were excited about when he came in from from Minnesota. I believe it was Minneapolis area where he was from, coming out of high school. Very highly recruited kid. I believe he was originally committed to Air Force before deciding to decommit and then choosing UNI. He was recruited by some pretty pretty solid programs. I I believe he was a two-star out of high school. And uh, moved around positions quite a bit at UNI, running back, slot receiver, returner, doing a lot of things, a lot of speed. Um, I didn't necessarily see much in practice that impressed me with with Kamara. What I did see on film from high school and his his track record there was really, really, really impressive. So I think UNI was really just trying to get him on the field one way or another. And I don't blame him. I mean, the kid's crazy fast, super, super uh, elusive, very uh, agile in the minutes that we got to see or the the snaps that we got to see from him against Western Illinois in 2021. I was really impressed. I, I really liked watching him at the running back position. I don't see him as a receiver based on what I saw again at practice. And I, and I only got to go to so many this, this fall. So uh, definitely not the full story on Camara. I think he can go somewhere else and be productive he has three years of eligibility left, which is which is great for him. I think again, back to you, Doibach, man. I mean, this wide receiving group is absolutely freaking loaded. I mean, with Quan, Dion, Kamara, and Udoibach gone, it's still it's still just stacked. You got Sam Schnee, of course, Sergio Morency, Desmond Hudson, possibly Logan Wolf coming back. He has plenty of eligibility. Tyson Kershaw, Brady McCullough, and Grant Larkin stepping into the fold. And we haven't even seen anything from Devell Washington. Plus, signing day is coming up in, in less than two weeks. So, 
Who knows what's going to happen as rest as far as the rest of the wide receiving group goes. Who knows if they're going to get another guy out of the portal because they were offering receivers in the portal too. I think they want to add another slot guy in addition to Sam Schnee just to have that sort of dual threat there and, and mix things up. Maybe get a returner too because Quan Hampton, Dom Williams, and uh, McShane and Kamara are all gone. So they probably want to get a dynamic guy who can, who can return uh, punts too unless they want to put... <laughs> Uh, Josh Jenkins back there to to return kicks and punts. I don't see who else would do that other than Wu, who who did a little bit of it last season. Wu Governor, um, that could that could definitely be a possibility. We'll we'll see here who they get in the portal and more. And then lastly, uh, Jonathan Phoenix was here for one season uh, in, in Cedar Falls. Before that, he was at Houston and then at Northern Arizona and then at UNI, and now he's in the portal as well. So uh, another journeyman, so to speak. In college football, he is getting out of Cedar Falls. We likely will not see him once again. So not only you and I losing Benny Sapp, Corby Sander, and uh, Javon Brecky to graduation, but also Phoenix and Edwards to the portal. So defensive backfield going to look very, very, very different in 2023. Uh, obviously, Stefan Black and... And Wu will still be around, but uh, I, I I genuinely don't know who the uh, starting safeties and such will be. I'm assuming it's going to be Ed or uh, uh, Dewan Mack and Dale Sean Staley. Edwin Deerman might be in that mix too if somebody f- uh, fills that that void at nickel linebacker. So so many different things can happen. Uh, I, I'm definitely continuing to pay attention to the transfer portal every day. See if guys whether they enter or they decide to commit to you and I. And uh, I know Ethan Petrick's on top of that as well. So we'll be doing our best to, to keep you updated. Of course, we'll, we'll probably have Ethan on throughout uh, basketball season. And then uh, as, as things transpire with recruiting and, and uh, the transfer portal. So once again, my folks, my name is Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. We'll be right back with that second segment, David Eicholt and I talking transfer portal news for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Stick around for more corn stocks and sports talk. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Before we start this second segment here on Cornstocks and Sports Talk on Saturday morning, I want to remind you that I recorded this spot with David Eichel from 24-7 Sports on Thursday of this week, so it was right after Keegan Johnson announced he'd be entering the portal. We do allude to the fact that there might be other things happening with Cade McNamara and, of course, some other receivers, i.e. Arlen Bruce, who announced he'd be transferring yesterday. So we don't quite get into it with the specifics like that, but we do address plenty of things that are still relevant, despite the fact that Cade had not announced and neither had Arlen. So here's this clip with David I. Colton I on the transferring and, and everything going on at Iowa. More transfers uh, going on at Iowa for the Hawkeye football program. On to talk with us now on the corn stocks and sports talk here on AM 950 KOEL and is friend of the show and regular guest David Eichold from 24-7 Sports and Hawkeye Insider. We're recording on Thursday here, David the news just broke uh, about an hour ago. Keegan Johnson entering the transfer portal. Initial thoughts. Are you surprised? 
No, there's been rumors about this for a number of weeks. Obviously, you know, we've almost asked Coach Ferentz about Keegan every single week. This is not a surprise, but it doesn't mitigate how big of a loss it is. I mean, I've been on the record with you and several other places. I said he could be Iowa's best wide receiver in two decades. I mean, he's got that kind of upside. Did struggle with injuries throughout a little bit. But, uh, you know, you, nobody can blame, if you're a fan of the program, media members, nobody can blame any wide receiver for transferring out of the University of Iowa right now. Uh, the Iowa had two wide receivers with double-digit catches this past season, two wide receiver receiving touchdowns. It's abysmal at every single level. And it's a failure at every single level. And I think, you know, the current guys are probably looking at what Charlie Jones did at Purdue. And I think that that's the most damning thing on this coaching staff. Now, don't take just the raw statistical data for what it's worth. Purdue plays a different style than Iowa. That's completely fine, right? But – it's still, I mean, Charlie Jones is up, was up for the Blitnikoff, had one of the best seasons uh, in the country for a wide receiver after being underutilized at Iowa. But like I said, I think the Keegan thing makes a lot of sense. I'm very intrigued. I know a couple early schools, Nebraska is obviously going to probably go hard after him. Remember his father was a great, great player for them in the 90s, won a couple national championships. I'd also look at Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's going to put the full court press on Keegan Johnson. They loved him coming out of high school. Uh you know, if, if they had offered, Keegan might have flipped, but, you know, Notre Dame was full at the time, so they weren't able to offer. So, again, it, it's not really too big of a surprise if you've been a part of Hawkeye Insider and, and the message board. Not that I've spread it, but obviously, you know, it, there's been smoke about this for a while. So, and, and I think people need to realize this, but since we're talking about transfers, this is a new era of college football. Yes, it still has a damning effect on the coaching staff and the scheme. But at the same time, this is going to become the normal. And I think this year you're going to see Iowa uh, attack the transfer portal because they have no choice but to embrace the transfer portal. So uh, we'll get to Padilla, speaking of which, in, in a little bit here. But just with where the wide receiving group is at right now, obviously you lose Sam Laporta to a tight end who's going to the NFL uh, after this season. How do you write the ship? Do you start by by firing your your receivers coach? Do you start by going to the portal? Do you start by going to high schoolers and say, hey, we're flipping things around, even though uh, maybe maybe that's not the case? You know, I think that's a big question that Kirk has to answer. And I think he has to answer it sooner rather than later, because I think with the players having more rights than they ever have, if if they waited till after signing day players could get out of intent if their position coach gets fired they could request a transfer i mean there are things in place that could save them and i think iowa has to have a plan in place if they're gonna fire coaches but at the same time why prolong the inevitable i think you look at iowa's receiving numbers i think you look at the high number of wide receiver transfers that have left the program i think i like kellen copeland one of my favorite interviews I just look at the production. I look at the way I was recruiting. I see a very, very tough scenario where he can stay on staff. It's not my job to call for his head. Thankful for that. But at the same time, I think, you know, you look around, I think him and Brian, I think they both need to go. I think George Barnett, the offensive line coach, has another year because I think he inherited a, a room full of juniors and seniors that have not been able to contribute. So he's been working with freshmen and sophomores. I think you got to give him a little bit more time. But uh, no, it's going to be very interesting. I think you have to make the changes sooner rather than later. And then I think Iowa needs to go all in on Cade McNamara. And I know that's been a heavy talking point for the past 48 hours, 48, 72 hours for, for Iowa fans. And there is some real traction behind that. 
But you try to get Cade McNamara on early. He can announce at any time. He's a graduate transfer, so he doesn't have to wait for that December 5th, you know, kind of time frame. But uh, I think if you get Cade McNamara, you say, hey, look, go out, recruit. You're well-respected across the country. Start a college football playoff game. Go recruit guys that can we can bring in. Talk to our current guys and see if they'll want to stay. Because I'll, I'll go back to what I said the first question. You really can't blame anybody for looking to get out of this Iowa offense. That's a receiver. If you're a tight end or running back, I think you should stay the course. But, again, wide receivers, nice. Yeah. You, you can't defend it. With with the mention of, of McNamara, well, let's shift to the quarterback situation because – there are there are so many moving parts here. Obviously, Padilla in the portal. Uh, Petrus has another year left of of eligibility. Then you got Joey Labus and the possibility of McNamara. Let's let's talk about a scenario where you flip positions with with Kirk Ferentz. What what's the ideal here? You get Cade McNamara. I mean, look, the reality is, and Spencer, I'm very intrigued if Spencer Petrus wants to come back for his sixth year. If you're Kirk, you you can't start him. I like Spencer. I respect Spencer. He's been very, very good to us, media members, transparent, thorough answers, grade A, grade A human. You can't start him. There's there's if you thought Iowa's offense is a national punchline this season, it'll be worse next season if Petrus is the starter. But you know, from early indications, I believe Joey Labis is gonna start Iowa's bowl game. Uh there's nothing finalized about that. I'm sure we'll get some confirmation from Kirk. Maybe on Sunday, maybe he'll play it off. Say, you know, we'll see where he's at. But I think it's a perfect opportunity to throw Joel Abbas in there, get him in bowl prep, let him work with the ones. Because remember, Petrus got hurt in the first quarter of that Nebraska game. So I think, you know, you start Joel Abbas, go all in on Kane McNamara, and then you just recruit perimeter talent, and you go all in on that. So, and I think also it's what's telling is, I understand Iowa fans being skeptical about Iowa using the portal. But when every media member is telling you Iowa's looking at and you have a former four-star running back already scheduling a visit to Iowa, they're looking to use the portal this season. This is not going to be like, okay, we're going to look for a right fit here, right fit there. They know all hands have to be on deck because the reality is if they go into another situation where they have two scholarship wide receivers available for the first two weeks, that's a failure. I don't care how many injuries there are. You need to make room for more scholarship receivers. And they need to make it more appealing. And on top of recruiting K and everything, number one thing Iowa has to do, they have to redo their route trees. Their route trees are horrible. It does not allow for separation. takes too long to develop. And it makes it nearly impossible for a receiver to succeed. Again, we're talking with David Eichholt from Hawkeye Insider and 24-7 Sports here on AM950 KOEL and KOEL.com for Cornstalks and Sports Talk. With all of that said about the quarterback situation, the way uh, looking forward with possibly McNamara, Labus starting that that bowl game. Do you think he's the then the heir apparent to McNamara, um, or, or are they looking that far ahead? You know, I think Iowa's worst nightmare is they get kid McNamara and Joe Labus throws for like three touchdowns and two fifty <laughs> in the bowl game. I like. Because Cade yeah. can't go through spring practice. He, I mean, he's fresh off another surgery he had in November. But again, this is a guy that I think could thrive in a pro-style system, Cade can. And again, he's one of the most respected leaders on Michigan. The amount of praise I've heard from talking to sources and, and reading between the lines. This is a guy that wasn't going to – everybody knew J.J. McCarthy was going to start. I know they had an open competition. But it's funny to me, too, really quick. 
Iowa fans are saying, oh, I'd be underwhelmed with Cade McNamara. Who do you think you are to be underwhelmed with anybody right now? You're fresh off two embarrassing years of quarterback play. No matter who's lined up under center, Cade McNamara started a college football playoff game and helped lead a team that beat you 42-3 to in the Big Ten Championship. Like, let's not get crazy here. And the other part is Cade McNamara was one of the uh, team teammates selected to go to the Big Ten media days as a backup quarterback, as a likely backup quarterback. I think that speaks volumes to the type of person he is. I think that that's a perfect culture fit for Iowa. He can come in and, you know, learn the system. He's playing the Big Ten, which I think Kirk will be kind of ears perked up. Okay, he's kind of gotten some of that uh, good reputation heading into it. But uh, it'll be very interesting to see how it all unfolds. But the other side of it, too, with the way the transfer portal is, if Cade says, I want to play two or three years, and Joe Lavis balls out, what's he going to do? And again, I'm not suggesting that he's saying anything to anybody about things, but that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying it's all hypothetical at the moment. Would he stay to be that number two guy? And if he's not, then you have a redshirt freshman next year in Carson May. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Assuming Petrus doesn't come back, by the way. That's for right. full disclosure. If Petrus comes back, Petrus Petrus has to be on the bench. Can he, can he come back and I don't know why this would prohibit him, but he can come back and, and transfer, right? Correct. He That's the move. Am I, am I, I wrong? Yeah. Okay. And, and in regards to, uh, well, possibly that, but also Alex Padilla, do you see a transfer to a group of five school, maybe going back home closer to Colorado? Probably, I mean, Colorado State's taking anybody and everybody after the season they just had. Um, but is it is it a group of five transfer that, that you see coming for Padilla? I think so. I mean, look, he's undefeated as a starter at Iowa. That's what you got to remember as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think he's got some ties to Colorado State. I, I wish I had the note in front of me. I believe his dad was a standout player for Colorado State or at least somewhere in Colorado. So if that's the case, I think it makes a lot of sense. But I think Padilla is also going to look around for the best opportunity. I I don't see a Power 5 school take. I just don't think there's enough film there. But I think he'd make a pretty good group of five quarterback. That and uh, from what I've seen, he, you know, Iowa has a, or sorry, UNI has a transfer from Michigan State that did pretty well at the FCS level and has definitely garnered some attention. So who knows? Maybe maybe Padilla gets an offer from a, a power uh, in the FCS and, and decides to to play there. But any other expectations regarding the portal going forward for for Iowa um, positions that that you expect guys to maybe leave or that they're really going to go hard after to to bring guys in uh, maybe other than wide receiver. But you can include that that position, too. Yeah. You know, I think first of all, I think there's no player that's safe after Iowa's offense. And if I'm Kirk Ferentz and again, it's not something I'm hearing. This is something what I would prioritize if I was Kirk. Number one, you, you have to keep Caleb Johnson. You, you just have to because I think Caleb Johnson is a first or second team all Big Ten back next year. And people need to realize what he did this season was all skill. He did not know who to block. He did not know the scheme yet. They put him on the field and said go, and he made it happen. So he's going to take that big of a jump next year, in my opinion. So you have to find a way to keep him. I would keep a very close eye on Iowa maybe losing a couple more perimeter pieces. On the offense, I'm not going to specify names. I don't think it's fair to the players. I don't think it's fair to the school, especially if they end up changing their mind. So I'm I'm a believer of let them announce it, even if I do know for a fact, uh, just just to be the most fair. And if I'm Iowa, I look for uh, 
an offensive line transfer. I think you can look at maybe an interior guy. I still believe in Mason Richmond on the edge. I think Connor Colby's got a big comeback season next year. And assuming Iowa holds on to Caden Proctor, you throw Caden Proctor at tackle immediately and let him start because he's going to be a mauler. Maybe look at guard. I maybe look at center. I, I think Logan Jones can still be very good. He still knew the position. But there, the snap issue is 12 games, then you, you just can't have it at that point. So unless he has a big bowl prep, and he could, because Tyler Linderbaum switched positions in bowl prep, and he had an outstanding bowl prep, an outstanding spring. Logan did not switch till spring. So I think that's something worth noting as well. So I don't, maybe Iowa looks for a defensive tackle to help build some depth there, but I also don't know how much playtime they can promise, because you look at Iowa's D-line next year, if Joe Evans comes back, you have him. Lucas Van Ness is going to be a top 10, top 15 pick next year if he does not leave this year. He's a first-round pick right now, maybe an early second based on what I'm hearing. And then Aaron Graves will be a monster. Y.A. Black. Deontay Craig led the team in sacks. I mean, Iowa's defensive line's loaded. Maybe Iowa goes after a cornerback as well just because of how many injuries there were this year. It does not sound like Terry Roberts is going to return next year based on Kirk Ferentz's comments, but, you know, he still might. Um, maybe they go after a cornerback as well. So those would be some positions I'd keep an eye on. I would not think safety because I think Xavier Wampa is going to take over for, for Kayvon Merriweather. They'll have Quinn Schulte for another year who I thought had a great year. And I always get Justin Jacobs back, it sounds like, for next season, which is a huge, huge boost to that defense. And who knows what position Cooper DG is going to play, of course. Everywhere. Um, right. People want him at quarterback at this point, man. <laughs> he was he was awesome in high school, that's for sure. Uh, any any update on his health uh, going into the bowl game? Yeah, nothing official. I think when we talked to Kirk last time, he basically just said we I got he got an encouraging report on him after the game. I, I don't think it was a concussion protocol. It honestly looked like he just got knocked out for a few seconds. I mean, that was a – I thought could have been a helmet-to-helmet on Nebraska, quite frankly. Um, there are a couple of them they didn't review. You know, it is what it is. But it does, from all indications early on, it does sound like he's going to play in the bowl game. Last thing before we let you go, David. Uh, we talked very – you mentioned uh, Caden Proctor very briefly. I know uh, Sean's more the recruiting guy for you uh, at uh, Hawkeye Insider, but do you have any gauge as to how much, you know, one, the transfers – Two, how the offense is performing, and three, Oregon are all three influencing where he's at right now, two weeks before that early signing period. You know, I think people need to keep in mind this for Iowa fans. When you recruit blue blood talent, this is normal. You look at Georgia, look at Ohio State, look at Alabama. When they get commits early, they will take late visits. If you want to recruit with the big boys, you have to live with it. Caden Proctor is getting all in from Oregon. Alabama's still talking to him, trying to get him on campus as well. And, you know, I think the reality is I think Iowa really backed off recruiting him after he committed for a couple weeks. And Caden's still being courted by all these blue bloods. I think it was a big learning lesson for Iowa to say, you know what? We believe they're committed, but we got to keep up with them. We got to keep recruiting them. So at this moment in time, I'm not going to sit here and say he signs with Iowa. But I, I know the feeling in Iowa City is very good. And they believe he's going to enroll early at Iowa, too, which I think is a big, big key to this entire component. Oregon still thinks they have some ground to make up. Alabama is probably not going to get them on campus before signing day, so that kills them, I think. But it's Bama. Anything can happen. I think Iowa feels pretty good about where they're at. I I would give them a 65 to 70% chance of signing him. I just 
again, with NIL, with everything else going on, it's so tough for me to sit here and rip off a bold, hot take. Even if I hear, oh, he's a lock to this school. Things ch- I've heard so many crazy stories that like I'm I'm avoiding doing that, but I do think that Iowa's in a good spot for him. NIL definitely makes college sports the wild, wild west. That's for sure. Uh, again, David Eichold on joining us here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Go give him a follow on Twitter for all the uh, the Iowa news and that incredible header I'm looking at right now. It's at David Eichold on Twitter. Thanks so much, man. Hey, thanks, man. All right, don't go anywhere. We got one more segment left. Alyssa Hurdle from the Des Moines Register, who's a Drake basketball beat writer and recruiting reporter there for the sports department. She's joining us on our final segment. Stay right here on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com for more corn stocks and sports talk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Drake men's basketball suffered their first loss of the season on Wednesday night against Indiana State at Indiana State who appears to be legit this season. So uh, on to talk with us now about that first loss uh, in the upcoming schedule for Drake. He's beat writer for the Des Moines Register, Alyssa Hurdle. Alyssa, like I mentioned, first loss of the season the other night for the Bulldogs. What did the Sycamores do that maybe other teams haven't been able to do so far this season? I think I think for starters, it's not exactly what they did to Drake, but what they're able to do on their own team. I mean, Cameron Henry and Cooper Nice have been kind of mainstays for this program for a while. I think everyone kind of knows what to expect from this from them at this point. I think Robbie Avila coming in as a freshman and kind of doing what he's been able to do, it surprised me. I, I don't think I'm alone in that feeling. Um, and so I think the way that those three play, you throw in a couple of the other guys that are in the starting lineup, Jason, Trenton, those guys, I think they just have a core that works really well together. Um, and I say that especially because when you look at what they were able to do or, you know, force Drake to not do, I mean, in any game where you have one player, Roman Penn in this case, score over 30 points, typically you would win that game. Um, And I think, you know, Drake got close to doing that. They had a lead at one point. They came back from being behind in the first half. Um, And so I think it was just the fact that, Indiana State, when it came down to the wire, was able to play a better complete game, um, whereas, you know, they they were able to hold off Tucker more than he has been this year. Um, you know, Darnell was able to get in there, but, you know, DJ and Garrett and Sadar were all kind of held off, too. And so I think, you know, obviously Roman still on his head had an insane game, um, but Indiana State just had more players that were able to play a complete minute to minute game. And so when you're talking about what Indiana state brought to the table, playing a complete game, we never really saw that last season from Indiana state. I mean, a little bit here and there, right? I mean, they, they play really well in their home arena. Um, could you get a gauge of what has flipped for them this season? Is it just uh, what, what's on the roster who's available or, or is it uh, the second year coach really starting to figure things out? 
Yeah, I mean, I I wish I could say like, yeah, I saw this coming. I saw Indiana State being superb this year, uh, but I can't lie. Like, I, I know what I ranked them on my poll, and it was not it was not in the top five. I don't believe. Um, and so, you, you know, I I didn't expect them to play this way. This was a game that I thought Drake was going to go in, and it would be competitive, but not the way it was. And I do think, you know. Cameron and Cooper are are coming back. They're they're healthy. They're playing the way that, you know, everyone kind of expected them to play together. And then again, you, you know, you throw in this insane freshman who I think is a big game changer for them. And I think those are all factors. And like you said, you have a second year coach getting that first year in the NBC under your belt like that the NBC we all know isn't an easy conference to play in um and I'm sure it's not an easy conference to come and coach in either and so to get that first year out of the way you now have you know the spring and the summer that you were with your team preparing um without games where it's just that team focus I think that's invaluable time and we're seeing you know the results of all of that now Josh Schertz coming in, uh, also had a decent amount of transfers uh, after this year and being able to figure it out that that quickly and and bring some guys into Robbie Avila, probably the steal of of the MVC and the recruiting uh, in 2022 recruiting classes last year with the goggles and everything, the way he plays basketball, I can tell he's going to be just hated by MVC fans around <laughs> around the conference. But uh, uh, you and I fans will, will see that here soon enough, too. So. Um, prior to this game for, for Drake, they had a few single digit wins, you know, nothing that was uh, crazy in terms of blowouts for, for some of these victories. Um, had they been tested prior to Indiana state? Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw even against Louisiana last week, um, it was kind of because I got to see that one in person, they were at home. I kind of expected Drake to play better than the way they were. I mean, Louisiana was playing great as well. Those were two undefeated teams. Um, And Drake did pull out the win, but I felt like Louisiana really gave them a run for their money in certain aspects of the game. Um, And I think, you know, it's funny looking at Wednesday's game to now, because one of the things that I talked to coach DeVries about after the Louisiana game is that had been three straight games where they had been outscored in the second half. So they'd been you know, they built enough of a lead, but then teams managed to figure them out pretty quickly and come back. And it was actually the opposite against Indiana State where they outscored them in the the second half. But I think, you know, Drake, some people have looked at their their non-conference schedule and, you know, asked them to schedule competitive teams, which to an extent I do agree with. Um, And I do think, you know, looking at how Indiana State played, it is kind of concerning how close some of those non-conference teams did play them. Um, And so I think, you know, that's going to leave a lot of questions now that they have their first conference game under their belt, how they're going to be able to compete against MVC teams where I think I would say in my very, very short time here, there's a lot of teams this year that can compete for the title. Alyssa Hurdle, Drake basketball beat writer, joining us here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on this Saturday morning on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com, talking about that loss to Indiana State and a little bit more of their upcoming schedule. So no ranked teams with that schedule. It, obviously, we talked about some of those those closer games, Wyoming, Tarleton State, um, and I, I believe there's another one in there against a, uh, a, a major program. Um 
now they'll face Richmond, who you and I lost to fairly recently, St. Louis, who I think Murray State played them uh, at the beginning of the season, and then Mississippi State here soon. So comparing non-conference schedule to a team like a UNI, um, do you think that their that Drake's schedule is good enough? Let's say they don't win the MVC tournament. Um, do, do they get an at-large bid if, if they continue to play the way they're playing right now? What do they have to do to get an at-large bid if they don't win the MVC tournament outright? You know, I think it's I think the obvious one is that they will have to win the rest of their non-conference games. I think they need that padding in their schedule, Um, especially like you said, you know, you don't have any ranked opponents in there. Um, And you look at who else teams in the NBC alone are playing versus who Drake's playing. Um, And so you need to make sure that your non-conference record is bulletproof when it comes down to it, Um, especially the way that Drake has performed in past MVC title games, it's no guarantee that they would make it in. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing is you have to win these games outright um, and you have to win them by larger margins than you have. There has to be better performances in those games than what they've shown in the beginning of the year. With all that said, heading into the MVC uh, conference play coming up here soon, obviously that's already started, but the thick of it coming up here soon is there any team in particular in the Missouri Valley Conference that that you think will give Drake trouble this season? Obviously, the loss to Indiana State, so you could throw them in there. But the the Murray State's the new the 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 Belmont, who's also new. Um, uh, forgive me. Uh, oh, uh, Southern Illinois will be in that mix too. Uh, any any team in particular that you see given the given the Bulldogs trouble uh, in 2023? Yeah, Southern Illinois would be my top pick out of the ones coming up. I think they're kind of in a similar situation to Indiana State where I look at who's on their team and how they're putting the pieces together um, and how they've been able to compete against Drake in the past. Um, You know, I think they not to say they have a chip on their shoulder, but I think, you know, that the way games have gone, at least since I've been here between Drake and Southern Illinois, if I'm Southern Illinois, I want to come in this year and show them that can put all the pieces together. And and this is going to work out for me. Um, Bradley was another one that I said, you know, might probably compete really well. That was obviously before ranks injury. Um, but, you know, I think that there are a lot of teams in the MVC this year, Southern Illinois being the top of my list that could give Drake a run for their money. I'd probably say it's about six deep going into the the MVC tournament is what I would expect. Obviously, you know, uh, we can't predict injuries and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but the MVC is going to be loaded from from top to about middle. And it, I think it it could move really easily. Yeah. And that's that's so exciting to be a part of, too, because, you know, obviously Drake comes in as the preseason favorite and, and Coach DeVries says it all the time that that means nothing. And I think. You know, it, it's one game into the conference, but you're seeing that the teams are hungry for that top spot. Um, and Drake is the team they have to get through to get it. That, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, with mentioning of you and I a few times here, obviously being a you and I inside of Town Square Media, uh, I, I have a, a bit of a bias, but I think you can never count out coach Jake and you and I come tournament time either. I mean, 
it's <laughs> to quote, I can't even remember who said it, but uh, Nick Schultz always tweets it uh, out. Uh, the it's the Valley, you know, you never know what's going to happen <laughs> that in college basketball. So somebody could get hot and, and make a run at, at that MDC tournament title. Uh, but as far as uh, Drake goes in terms of health right now, they started the season a little banged up. Roman Penn out, Tucker DeVries out, Garrett Sturts out, um, at least in those exhibition games. Uh, where's the where's the health of, of Drake right now? Yeah, so I think, I think first of all, I think Coach DeVries is very, I don't want to say happy because you're never happy about injuries, but the fact that they happened before the season started when notoriously he's been without at least one player come postseason. Now, we have a lot of months uh, to get through, a lot of basketball to get through. So like you said, anything can happen. Although across across the league, I wish it would not. I wish everyone would be healthy. Um, you know, I think the nice thing with that is, as far as I can tell, you know, everyone's back to, I don't want to say full health, but the way they should be. Um, you know, in the off season, Roman, you know, was again dealing with that same foot injury. Um, and I know that, you know, he underwent some work to to kind of hopefully have that not um, impact him in the season. And so I think based on seeing how he's played, you know, sitting out a little bit earlier and now kind of, you know, he sits out the first few games, he's not getting as many minutes and then he scores 32 points. I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that he's feeling pretty good. Um, DJ with his knee, I feel like, you know, part of that coming back from an ACL tear, I feel like that's more mental than anything. You don't know, what your body is going to go through. You don't know if you can play the same way. And, you know, the way he is as a perimeter defender, you know, he's going 110% every game. And so I think he just needed to get back in game situations. Um, Tucker, I think, you, you know, he comes out in a boot for that, I think the exhibition game, um, which, you know, the next game he came out and was playing fine. And I was like, I think the boot was just a whole show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't actually think that. I think, you know, obviously medical staff know what they're talking about, but I think that gave everyone a little bit more of a heart attack than it needed. Um, and Garrett is the only one that I'm not 100% sure on because, you know, it was it was mostly just an ankle thing, you know, not specific. I think, you know, everyone was saying high ankle sprain, something like that. Um and the first few games he would kind of, he would come in and then he'd go off and he, he'd he be on the bike on the sideline, just watching and, and kind of keeping that thing moving. Um, and then it was pretty heavily wrapped for a few games. And so I'm not really sure if he's a hundred percent, but I think we also know Garrett with the hard hat mentality is, is not going to sit out unless he's forced out of a game. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that he's played the way he has, even if his ankle isn't a hundred percent says enough about the type of player that Garrett is. Again, we're talking with Alyssa Hurdle, Drake men's basketball beat writer from the Des Moines register here on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com on Cornstalks and sports talk. Now in regards to, uh, Tucker, uh, and, and his play so far this season, preseason MVC player of the year, are you seeing that type of play from him so far? Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest thing that I remember talking to him about in the preseason was the what he did in the offseason. Um, and if you look at the roster comparison, he's obviously the same height. That's not going to change. He's the same weight. Um, but he, it's very obvious that he dropped weight and added muscle. Um, he is far more conditioned to play the college game than he was last year. And so you take the fact that 
he's shooting just as well. He's performing just as well as he did as a freshman, but now he can keep up with the game even better. That's, that's pretty dangerous. Now we saw that Indiana state was able to shut that down, but he was also the second hiring scorer on the team. So he, he can still produce even if he's not having those 20 plus point games. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to be dangerous in as long as he stays in the MVC for a couple more years. I'm telling you, I, I the similarities between uh, he and AJ Green from first to second year are, are definitely there. So we'll, we'll see if he can he can make that happen and, and win that MVC Player of the Year award. Last thing before we let you go, Alyssa, uh, Sardar Calhoun has been as advertised, at least uh, from what I've been able to see. He appears to be a guy who, you know, if Tucker goes down, God forbid, if if Roman Penn goes down. Calhoun can step up and fill that scoring void. Um, he looks like a, an athlete, a defender. And, and again, this is from a small sample size that I've seen. But what can you tell us about Calhoun and and his play, obviously, coming from uh, Florida State and Texas Tech? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with him for me is I think personality-wise, he fits the type of player that Coach DeVries tries to bring into the program And I think that's why he's been so successful. I mean, for starters, he transferred in January. So in terms of the transfer portal, he's the one in the MVC that's been with the team the longest. Um, And he was able, because of transfer rules, wasn't able to play, was able to basically just be with and around the team for six whole months before, you know, summer practices and stuff like that pick up. Um, And so I think that's a big deal in the fact that like he can, he already knows the team before the season started. And then he comes in and, you know, the first few games he's getting serious minutes when the other guys were out and injured um, and performing really, really well. He can score from all over the place. He's super successful from three point range. I think that has something to do with the fact that his vertical is insane. It it feels like it's two or three feet. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but he, <laughs> he can jump and he can rebound and he can assist. And he is just the type of overall player that Drake needed with both Tramel and Tank graduating. He's like a combination of the two all in one um, and can just do a little bit of everything. Um, and now I might be biased. I think he's the type of player that should be getting more time than he is. I know it's tough with the the guys that Drake returned um, and you want to get them playing time and they've been playing together forever, but seeing how the Bulldogs performed with him in more of a starting role versus him as a bench player. Now, um, you know, I'm not a coach, but I would say that I think he, he earned his right to, to get some more playing time. And if things start to change in game situations, then then I'm wrong. There you go. She is uh, Alyssa Hurdle from uh, the Des Moines Register covers Drake men's basketball there. Go give her a follow if you want to follow along with Drake, but also high school and recruiting for for the Register at Alyssa Hurdle on Twitter. Alyssa, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for hopping on. Happy to be here. And that's going to do it for this weekend episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can always listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube, of course, to those guest segments. While you're there on YouTube, drop a like, drop a comment, and make sure to subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave that rate and review, subscribe, follow, all that. It's so greatly appreciated, and it does help us out so much. Every time that happens, we get an uptick in listens, and that means we're going to be able to get you better content 
content here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950, KOEL and KOEL.com. So my name is Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media. And that was another week's episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.